2: Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparence Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side.
0: Today, we have Leanne, one of our very own board members from Canada, to prompt some questions to help our listeners better understand the differences between music publishing and performance rights and recorded music and the corresponding performance rights of the sound recording, which are called neighboring rights. Leanne, please kick us off.
2: What is publishing?
0: Music publishing pertains to the music composition, so the actual song, not the recording. You write a piece of music, it's the actual song component, which is different than actually taking it into the studio and then recording that song and creating what we call as a master recording. So it's the underlining song.
2: What is Neighboring Rights? Neighboring Rights is an income stream that is awarded to performers for their audible contribution on a track, and also to rights holders of a track. In other words, the master owner, usually the record label, but increasingly in recent times, it's self-releasing artists. It's weighted differently amongst the performers, contracted featured versus non-featured. So featured artists will get paid more than the session musicians, and then the rights holders get about 50% of the pot of money. So 50% to the rights holders, 50% to the line of performers. Can publishing collect neighboring rights? No. Publishing and neighbouring rights are totally separate income streams. And a lot of people confuse the two, kind of refer to them as the same thing, but they're not. So you could write a song and also perform on the track and earn the master and you'll get three income streams. You'll get rights holder neighbouring rights, performer side neighbouring rights, and then the publishing. Uh, So yeah, the publishing, as Andrew said earlier, is the underlying composition. And if there are lyrics, that includes written words as well. So in theory, you could earn more money than someone Someone that doesn't write their songs. So if you write your songs and perform them like Adele, like Ed Sheeran, you will earn more money than someone that just writes songs or just performs. Both
0: music publishing and the recorded sides of the music industry function and get their value off of our copyrights. So you have a copyright for the sound recording and then you have a copyright for the music composition part of that means that you get rights to perform these copyrights in public. With the music publishing, we call these performance rights. So whenever your song is played at a bar, at a live venue, that sort of thing, or on the radio. And on the flip side, the sound recording also has performance rights associated with it. And we call those performance rights neighboring rights. It's just in the U.S., we don't fully recognize what we call neighboring rights. We only have non-interactive digital performance recognized here. Whether it's performance rights, neighboring rights. It's the right to publicly perform the copyright in public and receive a royalty for that. Um, And that's basically how the two are tied together.
1: Over here in the UK, we have PRS and PPL, which so often get confused and mixed up together. So PRS is for publishing, PPL is for neighboring rights. In America, I know you've got sound exchange for your royalty collection for the neighboring rights equivalent. What about for publishing?
0: We have a myriad of different players. So the two primary players for collecting public performance rights here in the United States are ASCAP and BMI, And we also have a CSAC and a GMR, which is a more niche. But the two dominant players are ASCAP and BMI that collect on performance rights on behalf of songwriters and publishers, which is akin to your PRS in the UK.
2: Or in lovely Canada, So can Just to give them a plug. If they are so separate, how did they become so connected? It's because that many sources of income pay neighbouring rights as well as publishing, at least so outside of the US I'm talking about. So uh, say BBC Radio 1 here in the UK plays a track. They will pay PPL, a neighbouring rights royalty, and then they will also pay PRS, a publishing royalty. Television broadcast yields both income streams. And as does public performances, Andrew touched upon earlier, so like, you know, gyms, pubs, hairdressers, dentists, surgeries, all those types of places. There's a joint license between PPL and PRS, which also causes confusion at webinars and all these conferences because people are, like, they both begin with a P and well, what is this acronym? It's just to streamline things, a bar or a hairdresser or a gym, instead of paying PPL a license and PRS a license, they just pay PPL, PRS, one license. There's, it's just a joint venture that started in about, I think, 2018. Get rid of confusion because some premises over here, were only paying one of the two licenses and then getting into trouble and getting fined and they just didn't understand it.
0: Yeah, that makes it a lot more complicated. I've heard most recently, one of my friends had a, a friend who owned a, a gym here in the States and he wasn't paying his performance licenses to ASCAP and BMI. And it's kind of confusing because ASCAP and BMI control different catalogs. In essence, you have to go and license from ASCAP, from BMI, from CSAC and from GMR. For somebody, that is TICGEM, they're not really aware of all of these different players that they need to get licenses from. Centralizing licensing definitely helps and it is a little confusing. Again, I'm just talking about for the publishing aspect of it. In the UK, you would also need to get licenses from PPL and from PRS.
2: But do you ever think they will be separated again? Or is this always going to be linked? And people entering neighboring rights, like learning about it, should they consider publishing and neighboring rights kind of linked? Or should they keep them separate in their heads? They <laughs> are
0: only linked from the sense of in the UK, they're doing joint licensing between PPL and PRS, but they are entirely separate income streams. i are keeping them separate because of the way that music is created. In the whole process of it, songwriter writes the song. Songwriter then takes it to a recording artist. Songwriter will own the interest in the song. The recording artist will then perform on the recording to create a recording of that song. The recording artist will then contract out featured artists, other musicians to contribute to that recording, including a producer. The producer or the background vocalist, background musician, are not really going to have an interest in the song. All of the people that are contributing to the sound recording will be due neighboring rights, whereas the songwriter will be due the royalties for the actual song itself. Therein lies the differentiation between the two copyrights.
1: As a representative, and I'm sure you speak to an artist, a performer who has contributed on a recording, who has also written tracks as well. And you say, are you collecting your royalties? Are you a member of PPO? Yep, yep, yep. Definitely a member. Okay, fine. What's your membership ID? Here it is. PRS number please please do not mix the two up you should be a member of PRS in the UK and you should be a member of PPL in the UK it's free to join PPL totally free for anything that you've performed on recorded music why wouldn't you be a member but don't get them mixed up
2: yeah that's an excellent point Gina thanks for raising I used to be sent CAE numbers which stands for composer author editor that's the term in the UK and Europe for your songwriter number and i'd be like oh i can't do anything with that you know wonderful that you've joined PRS for your writing to handle you know to cover your songwriting royalties but that's that's going to do no good at PPL yeah PPL is free to join PRS has a one off fee of about 100 pounds but it's a lifetime membership so it's well worth it so yeah if you write songs and you perform on recordings you've got to join both
0: if you think about the history Of music itself. What came first? The song came first. So you had composers back in the 1800s, Beethoven, he's a composer, he's a songwriter, he's writing all of his music down. There was no sound recordings in the 1800s, in the early 1800s at least. Sound recordings didn't become recognized as a copyright until much later. This is why we have two sets of copyrights to make sure that every single contributor to music itself is properly paid out for their portions and interests in the copyrights. Maybe in the future that we'll just have one music copyright (laughs) and everybody will just get a share of that music copyright. But as it stands today, we have a sound recording and then we also have a music composition.
2: Thank you to everybody to Andrew and Tanya and Gina. So thank
0: you. And thank you to our listeners. If you like what you heard, please visit us at www.iafar.co.uk and become a member to have all of your questions answered and access to our incredible team of representatives.